You're listening to Simplerets Radio, episode number 208. And today, we're talking about the anatomy of fat. And yes, what it is, why you need it, and how to lose it. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we get a breakdown, the anatomy of fat, why you need it, what it's used for, what it is, why you need it, and how to get rid of it. Hopefully, it will open your eyes to an entirely new way to view fat and how to lose it. And if you've been listening the last few weeks, then we've kind of been talking slowly about this, slowly about the idea of what fat is, how it's lost, and really today, it's just going to nail everything down into a simplified version of what it is, like the straight up, here's the anatomy lesson of what that is and what you need to know about it. Now, speaking of the last few episodes, if you haven't listened to them, you should go back and listen. Episode number 206 was all about exercise, breaking down the lie that you just need to exercise more, which is completely untrue. And there's a right way and a wrong way to exercise. And both will have completely different functions inside the body. As I always say, it's not just what you put in your body or what you do to your body, but it's what your body does with it. That's what matters. And these are the topics that help you to understand, okay, what is my body going to do with it? And how can I provide more of what my body will do good things with and change our perceptions and our mindsets and all those things? Last week on the show, we had guest expert Lauren Roxburgh on the show, and she was amazing. I love studying about fascia. I think it's fascinating and a subject we're going to hear more and more and more about. So if you haven't listened to the episode on fascia, you should go back and listen to episode number 207, all about fascia, what it is, why it matters, all of those things, and how it relates to our health and our weight. Um, And today we're going to kind of clarify that a bit more as we talk about the anatomy of fat. I'm going to bring up a concept that I don't think is widely talked about here. I think we see correlations between our weight and our emotions, but we're really going to dive into that and how fat could actually be an emotional insulator to us. So today, that's what we're going to break down. But remember, you can find all the information on today's show over at simperitswellness.com backslash 208. And over there, I'm going to be talking more about this idea that fat is an emotional insulator and how we can deal with that and get through that. Also, you can get all the resources from today's show over there. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list. I have some pretty exciting things happening right now. If you haven't heard, I'm writing a book. Uh, I'm releasing a new batch cooking guide all on the seasonality of spring. Some basic lifestyle things and recipes that you can use in your everyday life for springtime. And as you know, I'm just a big believer in seasonality and something we're going to continuously talk about in every podcast because I believe it's really that important. So get on my email list, just sign up over there to get on my newsletter and be a part of that community of like-minded people who are on a mission to make health who they are, not just what they do. Plus, if you sign up for the email list, then you have access to me. You can hit reply to any of my emails. It comes directly to me and I will respond back to answer your questions. I'd love to know your feedback, any testimonials you have, what you're learning about what's working and what isn't, anything and everything. I just love to hear from you. 
So make sure you sign up for my email list so we can stay in communication and grow together in this walk and this journey of living healthier lives. Also, one last announcement, I am open for personal consulting. Yes, but I only have a handful of spots left open. So if you wanna do some personal consulting with me, there's no packages or programs that you have to fit yourself into. We literally just work together to understand what your body needs and what it's gonna take to get there. And we create a plan that's suitable for you. So if you wanna know more, just head on over to simplerotswellness.com, click on the button, work with me, and fill out that application. Okay, but for now, let's get back to the show and we're gonna talk all about fat. Now, before we get into body fat and what it is and why we have it and how to lose it, I do want to empathetically say that I'm not taking any position as to the goodness or the badness nor the beauty or ugliness of this issue. It is a highly sensitive topic with an enormous amount of shaming that happens. And I by no means am saying that this is okay. I'm not saying that you have to lose weight in order to feel confident nor get pretty or any of that. I'm strictly coming at this as a health basis. The amount of that and what that looks like for you and where your healthy marker is, is going to be significantly different from person to person. And it's going to look outside the norm of what, quote unquote, the beauty world would tell you is healthy or normal or pretty or acceptable. So I wanted to say that outside of all of this, I'm just coming at this with the health basis. Now, with that being said, I think there is a level of confidence that we all need in order to get healthy. So yes, I do think on some level, you have to love yourself where you are. You may not always like it, but you have to love it. And this is what I love about the body positivity movement is that people are owning who they are and the size of their genes and the size of themselves. With that being said, I think that the most loving thing that we can do is to recognize that health is not who we are right now, but it's a journey. It's not an outcome, it's an action. And I think if we lose sight of that, if we lose the ability to grow and to learn, we are losing out on a life of health. So while I think you should be confident, I also don't think that there is any shame in wanting to change and wanting to grow because that is what health is. It's a continuous action throughout life and an ebb and flow until the end of our days. So I really believe that the most loving thing that you can do is continuously grow and learn and walk in this health journey. To be a part of it, to be confident in it, not to shame yourself or cause any sort of negativity or hate towards yourself. Like I am adamantly against hating yourself healthy or hating yourself skinny. It can't be done. But what I am is loving yourself enough to be willing to work and change and to grow. Now this is all important because again, you can look at body fat as very shameful and cause a lot of guilt and a lot of self-confidence problems and so many other things can arise. So I want to take the subject lightly to help you understand that fat is a really, really, really good thing. Too much clearly is bad, but how much that is is going to be very dependent upon person to person. Some of us are just gonna carry around more fat and that is okay and good for you. Other people are going to have a harder time putting on fat, and that is okay and good for them. So it's not to compare. It's not to analyze or critique other people. This is all about our own journey and discovering the healthiest version of ourselves. And I think it's important to come at fat in this way, because if we come at it in more of a positive spin, rather than saying fat is always a villain, 
I think then we can start to see it for what it is and start to work with it instead of against it. Because fat has a personality (laughs) and it is not backing down and it will fight to keep itself as long as you fight it. So this is really, 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 really important to note because I see so often so many people are fighting what they consider the villain of their story and that is their body fat stores. But our body fat stores are a loving mechanism to protect us. It is a survival instinct. In fact, one of the strongest survival instincts that we have because as survival of the fittest states, the fattest live the longest. So it is really, really, really critical to note that maybe the most loving thing your body has ever done for you is to pack on a few pounds to keep you alive and well. Like if it were all up to us, we would be very skinny people, but most of us would no longer be living if it weren't for our survival mechanisms who've kept us alive throughout all these drastic dietary changes that we've gone through. So I think first of all, you have to just love who you are, right? One, just stand here confident. And then let's approach fat in a new light, a light that says, hey, fat has some pretty miraculous functions. I mean, it's a mighty endocrine system. It's communing throughout our body. Every single adipocyte has its own nucleus. I mean, it is its own cell. Like these aren't just blobs of stored fat. Like these are active and working and communicating parts of the body. And they are doing a mighty job. And we have to understand that in order to learn, how can I work with my fat instead of fight my fat? Because you won't fight it. You'll lose every single time. So let's start at the beginning and understand, okay, what is fat, right? Like, why is it so important? Now we have clearly dietary fat, which uh, we know is food that we eat. Uh, It's olive oil, avocado, eggs. I mean, we have processed fats, like our trans fats, and all of them are going to be ranked from good to bad. Now, really what we know is outside of processed fats, like trans fat or things that are found in crackers and granola bars and cereals and anything that's made in a chemical or comes in a box, those fats don't tend to be as healthy or healthy at all. Those are considered harmful to our body and they do a number of different functions that have relatively no health benefit for our body. In fact, it just causes our body to work harder to get rid of it. Because what we know about fats and the digestion is it's very hard to digest fats. In fact, of all the nutrients that we have in our body, the proteins and the carbohydrates and the fiber, fat is the hardest to break down and it takes the longest to get into your bloodstream. That's why when you eat fat in your diet, you also tend to stay full longer because your body is really just working for hours to break that down and to get it into a size that can actually pass into the bloodstream. Like a fat molecule in itself, a triglyceride, is too large to pass into our bloodstream. It has to be broken down into lipids and glycerol in order to pass through and get in there, which it actually passes through our lymphatic system, which is a side note and somewhat fascinating, at least to me. Another reason why it's important to keep your lymphatic flow moving and why bad lymphatic flow can cause excess fat buildup and other parts of your bodies and your extremities and places you don't want it to go because it's just having a hard time getting into your body. So with that being said, to go back to what it does, right? So dietary fat is different than body fat, similar, but different. Your body has to take dietary fat, break it all the way down, and then rebuild it back up to get stored as energy 
and our adipocytes, which are the cells that store the lipids or the triglycerides. Now, again, like I said, there's bad fat and then there's good fat that we consume. And this good fat, this dietary fat that's good, like olives um, and fatty fish and ghee and egg yolks, all of these have different levels of what they would consider polyunsaturated fatty acids and monounsaturated fatty acids. Probably heard of them as omega 3s and omega 6s. Again, omega 6s tend to be a little bit higher in the inflammatory level, but at a normal level, distribution inside the body or the normal conception, that is really good. It's a powerful uh, agent to help heal the body. Too much of that causes excess inflammation, which is bad. So really, when we look at dietary fat, it's all about having the right balance, about eating a variety of foods, but really in all, making sure you get enough of it. Because that dietary fat is going to go inside the body and it's going to get converted either into body fat stores, which serve massive functions inside the body. Now, just to name a few of those functions, because it is really miraculous what body fat can do. I mean, body fat is obviously a generator of heat. So it helps keep our body warm. It helps insulate our bodies. I mean, what we know about infants, and we're going to talk about this, they have the highest distribution of what's considered brown fat, and that's our heat-producing fat that's metabolically active, why you can have really fat babies turn into really skinny adults, um, because that body fat is there to serve a function to keep them warm, but it's also helping them to metabolize. Like, heat is a byproduct of metabolism. So in order for us to stay warm, we have to be burning energy. And that's where brown fat becomes metabolically active, saying like this fat that's on your body is actually helping you to lose excess fat and as a byproduct of producing energy and heat. We're going to talk about brown fat, white fat, all those things in a minute, but it does. It insulates our body. That's white fat. That's the insulator. And brown fat also produces heat. Not to mention Fat is the cell membrane of every single one of the millions of cells inside of our body. So surrounding every single cell is a membrane, and that membrane is fat. And that fat helps, again, to regulate what comes in and out of the cells. Obviously, water can't penetrate fat, and so it keeps what needs to stay inside the cell inside and what outside outside. Now, also these fatty acids have binders and they help allow and regulate what comes in and what goes out of the cell. So these fatty acids are really, really critical as they are kind of like the bodyguards for our cells. They allow the good things in and the bad things out. They help regulate that process. And every single cell has a fatty membrane to it. This is how it functions. Equally as important as the mitochondria or anything else in the body. Our body has to have adequate amounts of fat in order to have adequate amounts of healthy cells to complete this process. So it's binding and recepting. It's reacting to our emotional components. And when we get into the emotional side of things, it's acting as an emotional insulator, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but that kind of goes back to our nerve impulses. Fat also surrounds every nerve inside of our body. It's called the myelin sheath. It's what people who have multiple sclerosis are not having. They're breaking it down um, for some reason. And the electrical impulses can no longer travel where they need to go. That's why walking and talking and all the bodily processes of neurotransmitter or these electrical impulses that are happening constantly throughout the body stop working. Because when you don't have the myelin sheath, 
then you no longer have the conductor or the pathway for those electrical impulses to get where they need. So they surround every single nerve. They are in your part of your lymphatic system. They're the structural component of your body. They lubricate your joints, your nails, your skin, your hair. I mean, fat is really, 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 really powerful. Not to mention, it's a foundation of our immune system. And that being said, it also helps produce cholesterol, which cholesterol helps package inflammation and get rid of it out of our body. Fat has an enormous amount of function, and I am just naming a few. I mean, there's over 50 known functions of fat, and that list grows every single day. Fat is critical to our body. Plus, it's just a unit of energy, and it's a survival mechanism of the body, right? We need fat stores in order to conserve energy. And what's so different about fat versus glucose is, yes, glucose or stored carbohydrates is a relatively quick, efficient source of energy, right? Like this is probably the, the, the most known and widely used source of energy inside of our body is glucose. The next is fat cells or fat as energy. But what's interesting about fat cells is unlike glucose, what happens when your body takes excess amounts of energy, whether that's coming from glucose or protein or dietary fat, any kind you have excess energy, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. If your body doesn't need that, then it's going to start to package that. And in order to do this, like I said, when dietary fat or anything that we consume is broken down into those molecules and it's not being burned as energy or the byproducts being lost, then that is going to get converted back into fat or triglycerides. Now, inside of our adipocytes, which are the cells that store the fat, what we know about this is that fat, that fat undergoes a chemical conversion so that it stores the energy more efficiently. It's like a zip file on your computer. It makes the energy more compact and storable but it also makes the content itself harder to access. That's why glucose is still burned above fat because it's just easier. Like to undo the fat that's inside the fat cells, like when it's time to pull some energy out, it has to undergo a number of chemical conversions to turn it back into usable energy to get rid of it. So fat is extremely important, but your body also likes to hold on to fat. Not to mention there's other indicators, which we're going to talk about, that actually make your body want to conserve it even more. So we have to understand, like, if you want to lose fat, you have to understand it's not just about eating less or burning more energy. Those things matter. But your body is changing how it's doing that or why it's doing that based on your mindset, your perception, and your stress level. Your stress level and your emotional component and baggage is still the number one indicator of body fat storage on the body. And the reason behind this is it's survival, right? If we go back to survival the fittest, our body doesn't work based off of what we unconsciously see. It works based off of our perceptions. And I think this is a really hard thing even for me to process. Like we just want our body to understand there's ample amounts of food in our world or at least where we most of us live, and there's fast food on every corner. But if we're not eating enough, our body perceives that as a time of starvation, where there's not any physical food in the foreseen future. Therefore, it goes into conservation mode. Even though you could be looking at food because your perception of food is so bad, 
it goes into conservation mode and it starts storing. So our bodies are working based off our perceptions. You see, our body is a byproduct of our mind and our mind is a byproduct of our soul and our beliefs. And I bring that up a lot because what we believe is how we act and how we act creates the byproduct, which is our body. So we really can't change our body until we change our belief system and our perceptions, which we're going to talk about in a second. But before we get there, when we talk about fat being lost, I kind of want to go back to this idea and just stay with the chemistry of fat for a second before we start talking about a few other things, because I think this is going to be foundational when I talk about why stress and this emotional baggage is having such a huge implication on our fat storage. You know, yes, I think if we consume too much energy and we're not burning enough, yes, we're going to store some. But remember, it's not all about what we do to our body or what we consume. It's what our body does with that. That's what matters. And that's based on our perception. So if we go back and we understand, okay, I see how fat is stored, why it's stored, what, what the function of fat is. It's pretty amazing, right? Now, there's one big common misconception amongst doctors, dietitians, personal trainers, and that's that fat is literally converted to energy. Yes, energy is a byproduct of losing fat. However, it's not the only thing that happens to fat. In fact, it's a very small percentage of how fat is lost. On last week's podcast, Lauren talked about this. She, uh, Uh, mentioned this, and it's really, really fascinating. If you didn't listen to episode number 207, you should go back and listen to that because it will also help explain this a little bit more in depth. But essentially, like I said, a huge misconception amongst 98% of health professionals, they could not explain how weight loss actually works. So if 100% of fat doesn't get turned into energy or the byproducts don't get lost in our bowel movements, where does fat go? Well, the correct answer is that fat is converted into carbon dioxide and water. Yes, carbon dioxide and water. That is how the majority of fat is lost through exhaling. Okay, I mean, right? Like soak that in. I know this is hard to grasp when we've been told that fat melts or sweat is your fat crying. The reason for this is is that lipids are really just hydrogen and carbon atoms that form the lipid. Now, when oxygen reacts with that, your body's releasing that. It's in a period of release, not conserve, right? We have conserve mode and we have release mode. Conserve mode is our stress response. It's our fight or flight. It's our sympathetic. Release is more of our rest and digest, our de-stressed, our positive, our healthy way of life. So if we're in stress or conserve, oxygen doesn't react with that. But when we're in release mode, oxygen reacts with these lipids and it converts that into carbon dioxide and water, both of which will be lost. Yes, energy is a byproduct of this process, so we get small amounts of energy from it, but the majority of fat being lost goes out as carbon dioxide. In fact, if you take 22 pounds of fat Only three and a half pounds of those is turned into water, which is lost via sweat or your urine. The other 18 and a half pounds is lost through carbon dioxide. I'm going to let that soak in a minute. The majority of fat loss happens through exhaling. 
I mean, right? Like it's not melting. It's not leaving through your bowel movements. Your bowel movements are mostly fiber. Some other byproducts that we don't need, but rarely do things come back out of your intestines. They go in and anything that doesn't go in is lost through your bowel movements. Outside of that though, like however, how we lose excess toxins and the majority of the things that go inside of our body are actually exhaled out. Yes, small amounts are lost in water, but the majority is exhaled, which means that you have to be able to take and and oxygenate your cells, one, but also to take deep breaths where you can exhale adequate amounts of toxins and carbon dioxide out of your body. So it goes to show that nearly everything comes back to the lungs. I mean, you could argue that your lungs are one of your top metabolically active organs. I mean, it really is really, really fascinating. So we're exhaling weight. We're exhaling excess fat out of our body. Now, if we go back and when I talk about how the majority of fat is is conserved because of the stress response in our body, then we can start to put the pieces together, right? If we're working out in a stress response or if we're living in a stress response, what happens to our body? it builds tension, right? Our body literally starts to shut down. The cells start to conserve, so it's harder to tap into those fat cells. So the oxygen that's passing through isn't reacting with those and converting it into carbon dioxide and water, but it's also tightening up your breath rate. You're not taking deep breaths. You're kind of hunched over. You're in protect. You're shutting down. And this protect mode is actually inhibiting excess weight from being burned. Not to mention, I mean, studies have shown that chronic stress can change eating patterns and affect food choices. So not only are you not taking deep breaths and you're not opening those cells to release that, but you're also changing the entire eating pattern of your body. Like when stress occurs, the adrenals release cortisol, which increases appetite. It motivates a person to eat, especially foods high in fat and sugar, which then are going to be converted and stored. Stress equals conservation relaxation equals release. We want to relax and release those, not conserve and store. There's a doctor named Dr. Kenny, and he is a obesity researcher, and he showed that when stress over an extended period and high-calorie food was available, mice became obese more quickly than those that had consumed the same high-fat food in a stress-free environment. I'm going to say that again. When stressed over an extended period of time, and high-calorie food was available, mice became obese much more quickly than those that consumed the same amount of high-fat food in a stress-free environment. He says that the molecule responsible for this is called neuropeptide Y. The brain naturally produces this molecule during stressful times, and NPY stimulates the intake of high-calorie food, meaning that you conserved it. Not only did you conserve it, but you wanted more and more and more of it. We know that stress is linked to addiction, and it's partly because of this. So we also found that if you switched off that, then weight gain was reduced. It goes back to sympathetic versus parasympathetic, which is the balance. So our body is reducing or eliminating fat via our breath rate, and we know that we take deeper breaths, we're more likely to oxygenate our cells and to release unwanted things in a restful parasympathetic state. When we're stressed, our body shuts down and conserves. We take shallow breaths. We tend to hunch over. Everything tightens up and we don't release anything. 
Now to take this a step further, what I also think is really, really interesting about fat and how fat has a mind of its own. Um, it's, it's working to protect us and save us. What's also interesting is that they're finding that fat is an emotional insulator. Now, if we go back to this idea that emotions are electrical currents happening in our body, right? Our perceptions are creating um, triggers inside of our brain, which are stimulating a host of different electrical responses in our body. Having excess amounts of emotions, whether things that we've suppressed or excess amounts of trauma, can lead to a highly emotional state. But what they've learned is that having extra fat in the body can help protect against feeling the intensity of unprocessed emotions. So fat actually can act as an emotional insulator. It's like a thick coat of insulation on an extremely high voltage wire. It helps keep us in the same semblance of balance, able to exist and function without becoming completely obliterated by our own emotional charge. So again, fat is acting as a security blanket for so many people who have undealt with bad emotions. I'm going to say that again. So many people are carrying around excess fat, not just because they ate too much, but because they're carrying around undealt with past emotional baggage that if without fat would have a massive electrical charge throughout our body, right? It's helping to be an insulator. It's protecting our body from these emotions that we think we need to carry around from. Yes, repression may cut us off from old unprocessed emotions, but blocking or repressing emotions may only work up to a certain extent. That is a semi-conscious strategy to help contain old trauma. Research has shown this. Ingesting fat can lessen feelings of sadness affecting both our behavior and our neural response to negative emotions. That is so powerful. I mean, if we want to unlock the secrets to fat, I really don't believe that anyone purposefully walked themselves into having too much or excess body fat. Genetics are definitely going to play a role. We're all going to have different levels of body fat in our body. We all need healthy amounts of body fat in our body. It's not about having too little, which so many of us are working for. I mean, on average, women need 20 to 25% body fat just to menstruate, right? And to carry a baby for fertility reasons. We have to have a healthy percentage of body fat to function. Men are the same way, obviously not necessarily to carry a baby, but to reproduce in some level. Too much is a bad thing. But what if our body has too much mostly because we have unmet or undealt with emotional trauma in our life? I really, really, really believe that the majority of people who are overweight or obese who are fighting this process of excess weight have undealt with emotional baggage. They are literally carrying the weight of the world in physical pounds. If you believe it isn't true, this research proves otherwise and is really, 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 really important. If you are struggling to lose weight, I want you to know it's not just about what you put in your body or how much you move. Yes, that matters for everyone. But on some level, The biggest indicator of our health or our weight is our emotional stability. It's how we've dealt with our emotions or not dealt with our emotions. So many are carrying and hiding behind their physical pounds because they don't want to deal with the the pain of the past. And this matters. And this is becoming a really, really, really big field of study because fat is an emotional insulator. So maybe, just maybe, I want you to take a minute and stop and question Could I be 
unable to lose the weight that I want to lose simply because I have not dealt with what needs to be dealt with in the past. And it's not just our past, it's generations of past, right? If you grew up with parents who maybe you you tried to end the cycle and you tried to start into something new, on average, we see emotional triggers carried in DNA for two generations. So it could be your parents' past or your grandparents' past, trauma that needs to be dealt with. I really, really, really believe the only way to true healing is to deal with the emotional aspect of our life and why our mind and our belief system make all the difference for our health. Our health is a byproduct. On some level, we have to deal with the pain of the past and have hope for the future, hope and um, a resurrection and why faith is so, so, so critically important to health because that gives the foundation to deal with the emotional baggage that holds so many of us stalled in this place. In a few weeks, I'm going to have someone come on and share their story about this, and it's going to be mind-blowing. But I really, really do see it time and time again that people who who have an inability to lose weight or struggle with their weight and they're doing everything right, so much of it is not about doing something wrong. It's about not letting go of what you're holding onto because you fear bringing it back up. But there's so much freedom when you let go of things that your body does not need to hold onto. That's serving no good holding onto it. So if you feel like you're that person, I encourage you, go and get some therapy. Get some help to start digging this process up. Most of us cannot do it alone. Most of us cannot do it with a friend. We need trained professionals. And I'm going to link some up in the show notes. But if you feel like you are hiding behind your weight, you maybe don't want to admit it, but you know it's there. It's time to get help because really the only way that we can fully heal is by fully healing and releasing that emotional baggage that holds us back. Can you start to think about it? Yes, you can start to release things that happen today. Maybe they're not hard things, but that person who cut you off on the road, do not let them get the best of you. Do not let them take energy. Do not hoard that energy. It is not worth it. Start to step back from the things that bother you in everyday life and release them. But you also have to go back and deal with the trauma of the past. So how does this all relate to carbon dioxide loss as fat? Again, when we store and hold on to emotional things, we are storing and holding a lot of that in our body fat stores, but also our fascia, like we talked about last week, and creating these tension and these lesions and creating these tension and these blockages, which is housing the ability for our body to lose fat. So we store it and we store it and we store it, but we don't lose it. And this is going to be, I think, the most astonishing change that we're going to see in the healthcare space in the next 20 years is the linkage to our health and our emotions as priority. So again, it's all about coming back to balance. It's releasing what's been done. It's getting rid of the bad baggage. It's also, at the same time, knowing it's not about going to extremes. We cannot fight fat to win. We have to work with our fat. We have to understand our fat and we have to see it as good and we have to start to be in this mind space to let go of what is bad. Now, how do we do this, right? Like everyone's like, how do we, how do we actually lose fat? A lot of us know the truth to health, right? It's movement, it's nourishment, it's connection, it's sleep and rest, and it's stress. Those are the five elements that we see over and over and over again. Again, movement, it goes back to our posture. We have to be standing upright in order to take those deep belly breaths that help us circulate oxygen and remove carbon dioxide. It's the fascia. So it's the foam rolling and the stretching and the yoga and the movement 
that help our body to compress the fascia, to release baggage and stored toxins and other things that will help our body to move and enable the release of things that our body doesn't need to hold on to. Nourishment, obviously we know that our body needs a solid amount of healthy dietary fat in our life. We need um, other nutrients, tons of vitamins and minerals, great fiber and hydration. I mean, mostly veggie-based meals. Those are so good. Connection, Connection is often where we see our trauma happen from people to people or events that have happened in our life. Connection is going to be critical because the more our body feels loved and welcomed and accepted, the more likely we are to have the capacity to release what holds us back. So we have to develop deep connection. This is where the faith component comes in. Sleep and rest. Obviously, we know that the more we can sleep and relax, the more our body is able to release Think of relax as release and stress as conserve. So the more we can sleep and sleep deeply and rest and relax and even go about our day using exercise as a form of relaxation, really the more we can start to implement activities that fill us, that provide energy, the more likely we are to be in a state of release. If something feels like it's taking your time, if something feels like it's wrecking your life or it's taking away, more than likely that's being done in a stress or conserve mindset. It's where you're hoarding and holding on to. So if you have that mindset about something that you think is quote unquote healthy, it's not doing anything positive for you. You have to be in this release mode. So if you enjoy it, if it feels good, if it feels like it's not consuming your time but giving you more energy, if it feels like it's filling you instead of fixing you, that is a good sign that you are in release state, that you're able and open to get rid of all this extra junk that your body is literally just holding on to because it's safer to hold on to it than to get rid of it in an unhealthy environment. So release. And again, stress. Good versus bad stress, which we're going to talk about on the show next week. But really going back to this place that Stress in itself is not bad. We have great stress and we have bad stress. It's the balance. Our body does need to be stressed. It's part of life. It's what creates it exciting and adventurous and stimulating and all the things. Life would be boring and anxious without stress. We need small amounts of stress, good and bad stress. We just need to do it in the right way. And one great exercise to keep yourself grounded in stress is deep breathing. So to pull this all back into fat loss, I think one great practice that we could all be doing outside of getting therapy if we need therapy and um, looking at our body differently, looking at how we can work with it and be in release mode, I think one of the greatest ways to get ourselves back into parasympathetic mode is simply by a series of deep breaths. Sounds crazy, right? Um, But over and over and over, we see this time and time and time again. It's the posture in which we do things, like eating. It's really great when people sit down and say a prayer before a meal, partly because obviously we want to give thanks to God and understand that he is above all, like it creates a foundation of keeping our mind in the right space, which our body is a byproduct of our mind, but it also helps our body to relax for a moment and take a series of deep breaths, which switches from sympathetic mode or stress mode into parasympathetic mode. You can do this constantly throughout the day. And I think to get into a good habit of taking deep breaths, because on average, the majority of people are not breathing deeply at all throughout the day, is to every hour just set your alarm and take a series of five deep breaths. 
how you can do this is you simply breathe in through your nose for a count of four, hold it for a count of eight, exhale through your mouth, like through the back of your throat for a count of seven. And I'm just going to give you counts because I think if you don't count it out, you're not going to understand or be able to grow how deep those breaths need to be. You know, I think we think of deep breaths like at the doctor, like a big (gasps) and exhale right away. Those aren't certainly like those aren't truly deep breaths. Yes. And some level you're feeling your lungs well, but we want to go all the way in, allow our body to hold that in and exhale it out. This is how we train our bodies to take deeper breaths that are more sustained. So again, in for a count of four through your nose, slowly in, hold it as long as you can, preferably to a count of eight, no longer than eight. Of course, I shouldn't have said don't hold it as long as you can. Don't pass out. Hold it for a count of eight if you can, and then exhale very slowly for a count of seven, and then right away again, you inhale for four. Do that five times at the top of the hour. It will take you no more than two minutes. And just try to do that eight times a day, 10 times a day, even three times a day. That will help, again, to train your body to get into the state of release. And what we know about that is when you're in this parasympathetic mode of this rest and digest phase, your cravings decrease, your um, energy increases, your addictions decrease, uh, you are more creative and you aren't as likely to overeat. You're more likely to move. You're more likely to be giving. I mean, all these positive associations happen in this release mode and just taking some deep breaths can help get us there. I mean, if all it took to overcome your craving was a series of deep breaths, would it not be worth it, right? There's no cost involved, limited time, and it's so healing for your body. Now, here's the thing. This is one of those things that you have to understand that you cannot fixate on the outcome of the results. Health is not found in an outcome. Health is an action. This is deep rest. You aren't going to notice things right away, but in time, you really will start to see it. It's kind of like someone used the analogy when I had little kids, like, oh, the days are, you know, these days are so short. And I was thinking, yeah, right. Like I haven't slept in five years. My kids are constantly crying. Like these are the longest days of my life. And she's like, you know, you're just slowly going to get yourself out of it until one day you look back and think, wow, look how far we've come. I think that's the same analogy with breathing. You're not going to think anything for a while until one day you're going to look back and you're going to be like, wow, I have noticed changes and how my body digests food and how little food I actually need at a meal and how my cravings have changed and how much I sleep better, how I can perform better in my exercise or my movement. All of these things can change and it can be started just by a series of deep breaths. So all of this to say, when we come back to fat, I think we can look at fat as a means of fixing. We need to fix our weight, and that means we need to get rid of our fat. But if we stay in the fix-it mindset, we stay suppressed to the, the trauma and to the negative emotions that really are holding us back, as opposed to opening up space to fill ourselves. And I think when we fill ourselves, we're able to release what holds us back and to fill ourselves with good things. So stop fixating on what needs to be fixed and just start understanding what things can I do that fill my body up, that make me feel good, that provide energy, and how can I take more good and healthy practices and make them filling? A lot of it is just a change in perception in our mind. And I just want to leave you with a quote. It's from Robin Silverman, and she says, fat bashing in all of its varied forms from criticism, exclusion, shaming, 
fat talk, self-depreciation, jokes, gossip, bullying, is one of the last socially acceptable forms of prejudice. From a very young age, before they can walk away or defend themselves, women and men are taught that they are how they look, not what they do or what they know. And let me tell you, your identity is not in what you look like. Your identity is in who you are, whose you are. Being a child of God, a a woman of the king, a daughter of the king, a son of the king, and to know that it's more important what you bring to the table than what you look like sitting at that table. Focus more there on who you are, your identity, and start to let go of some of the stuff that holds you back. Because the more we fixate on what we look like externally, the less confidence we have, self-acceptance, the more likely we are to stay there in the suppression of all the things that hold us back. You have to make the choice today. Can I love myself the way I am, regardless of if I like it or not? And say that the most loving thing I can do for myself is to continue to open up, to try new things, to respect and honor my body, to grow and to learn, and to stay founded in my faith, knowing that I was purposed here on this earth for more than just shaming and guilting and feeling fearful of my own body. And to use that body as a tool to walk into the purpose that you were created here for because this world needs you. It doesn't need you fixating on your fat or on your looks or letting that define you as a person. You were purposed here for more than that. You were seen beautiful by the God who made you, the God of the universe, and he purposed you here for a reason. And you will never see it as long as you stay fixated on what you look like. You have to start loving you for who he made you to be and start living in that. And the more you walk in that, the more you are able to shed off whatever has stopped you in the past, to let go of it, to release it, and to truly walk in health. Because health was never meant to be what you do, but who you are, a tool to live out your purpose here on this earth. So don't let it hold you back. Don't give that the power that it has to stop you from doing what you were created to do. Instead, take back control. Stop letting it be the end-all be-all and choose to walk in filling yourself rather than fixating on what needs to be fixed. I love you. I believe in you. And I believe that health is only simple, not easy, but simple steps away. So just do one thing. Focus on that breathing. Get some therapy or at least think about it if fat really is a huge burden in your life. If you don't have excess amounts of fat that you feel like you're hiding yourself from, then start to work on your posture and your fascia and your deep breathing and obviously that connection and really just entering into more of this relaxation or this release mode that we talk so often about. We're going to dive more into that next week with this idea of good stress, bad stress, and how to like balance this world of life because it's all in balance. Now, I know that's a big topic for today, and I touched on a lot of different things, but I hope it was powerful and impactful. Don't forget, you can email me at any point asking me questions, giving me other topic ideas, or letting me help you in any process that you need. You can email me at alexa at simperitswellness.com. Yes, I answer every single email. It might take me a while, but it's my mission here to really help you and help you make lasting change that works so you no longer have to live constrained by your health but free of it. So email me. And also, if you're loving the show, the best thing and the most helpful thing that you can do for me is to share it with your friends and family. Take a screenshot, leave it on social media, tell your friends and family, and then encourage them to join this community of like-minded people who are on a mission 
to live with health rather than for it. Also, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating or review, those also help significantly. I'm almost at 500. I'm going to do a huge giveaway when we get there. So if you wouldn't mind, head on over to simperitswellness.com backslash review. It takes two minutes of your time, maybe not even that. Leave a five-star rating and tell me what you're loving about the show and let other people who wouldn't otherwise hear about the show find it and know about it and join us in this journey of lasting health. Okay, that's it for today. Don't forget to head to the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash 208 to get more information on the emotional insulator that fat happens to be inside of our body and what we could do about it. I will see you back here next week talking about good stress, bad stress, and how we balance it all to be good for our body. See you then. 